0: Of feeding the flock and our expositions through the book of Ephesians. We are currently in chapter 5 at verse 19. Hi, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading for the sake of the context of our expositions today in verse 18, and then we'll begin uh, our study in verse 19. Verse 18 of chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians, where Paul writes this. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God even the Father and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So then, we are in this uh, section in the chapter 5 that deals with um, our wise walk. Uh, before that, we talked about our worthy walk in the first half of chapter 4, our different walk in the last half of chapter 4, the beginning half of uh, chapter 5, at least uh, verses 1 through 14, Uh, talks about our loving walk. Now, we talk about this wise walk. Now, last episode, we discussed the idea of being careful how you walk. That refers to this wisdom. That's verses 15 through 17. And we even concluded last episode with reading of verse 18 and looking at that in quite detail. But uh, what's interesting is when it says, but be filled with the Spirit, that itself is a, a heading statement. It is a command statement. And uh, the heading statement actually begins the rest of this entire portion of the book of Ephesians. And that means it begins at verse 18 of chapter five and goes all the way through verse nine of chapter six. So we're talking about being filled with the spirit. And there are at least three evidences or three um, results of being filled with the Spirit according to the verses that we just now read, verses 19 through 21. And that means speaking and singing is a part of those, those activities that the Spirit of God does when He fills us. Giving thanks is another one of those activities that we do when the Holy Spirit is filling us. Finally is being submitted to one another. And that's uh, chapter five, verse 21. Now, um, After 5 verse 21, that in itself is a new heading, you might say, underneath the general heading of being filled with the Spirit, so that uh, being subject to one another has various ramifications of of exactly where those uh, submission points are found, uh, and we'll discover that as we go through future episodes of wives and husbands and children and parents and uh, fathers and even servants and masters. Or you might think of it in terms of employees and employers. But uh, the whole point is that all of those things of our submission or our subjection to these social institutions and God's purposes for those things, our, uh, uh, our... Uh, role there in those uh, circles of of our relationships, those things are important and uh, those things are the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We respond in those social institutions or those social structures, if you want to call it that, and uh, we respond in those ways because of the filling work of the Holy Spirit. So let's get back then to chapter 5 and verse 19 where it says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This idea of speaking to one another with this musical uh, poetry, you might say, or with the lyrics of the music to one another. It might mean uh, there that uh, we, we speak them when we sing them, or it might be we speak the lyrics without the music when we do so to each other. We quote the hymns. And, um, Uh, Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 is a fascinating parallel passage. In fact, uh, you might want to turn there because in Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 it says, Uh, Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, or richly dwell within you, excuse me, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with all thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So we have in some ways, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, we have a parallel passage and they uh they talk about the results of the same things we talk about the the um the speaking and the singing and re, and uh, and the worship as well as with thankfulness. And then we talk about submission and subjection in social institutions that God has prescribed for us. And that includes in Colossians passage, it includes the very same uh, circles of uh, of social uh, structures, if you want to call it that, uh, that uh, Ephesians does. And that is wives and husbands. That's um, in Colossians chapter three, the last a couple of paragraphs there and then also the last paragraph talks about uh, uh slaves and masters or or servants and masters or uh employees and employers and then chapter 4 talks about the master's part chapter 4 verse 1 which really should be included in this entire package you might say in Colossians chapter 3 uh, beginning in verse 16 what's interesting is the heading of Colossians 3:16 is let the word of Christ dwell or that is uh, richly dwell within you and it results in the same responses as we find as being filled with the Holy Spirit, that's why we call it a parallel passage. It has two separate headings in these parallel passages but uh, but the the results are the same parallels they now Paul spends way more time on on certain subjects than he does on other subjects but it's including the same subjects that's what I want want to understand here and want us to, to understand as we look at these passages. so let's go back then to uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual f- songs. And uh, what's interesting is that is that there's a lot of one another passages in the book of Ephesians. Uh, in chapter 4, verse 11 uh, through 16, talks about building up one another. In chapter 4, verse 25, uh, it talks about we are members of one another. In chapter 4, verse 32, it talks about forgiving one another. And here in chapter 5, verse 21, uh, it talks about being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So there's a lot of one another's. In fact, you might want to do a study of your own on the one another's of scripture. Uh, First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26, uh, it uh, refers to the fact that when you assemble uh, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things done uh, be done for edification. So it seems as though, at least according to the pattern that Paul lays out for the Corinthian church, there's a certain variety in the uh, gathering of believers and what they express to one another, but then also there's a certain uh, purpose of edifying one another. And uh, There's a certain uh, kind of spontaneity in some regards. It's not all formal and it's not all prescribed. There's a certain kind of uh, order uh, and respect for the situation, but... uh, uh, in other words, it's not chaotic, but uh, then again, on the other hand, it may not all be pre-planned ahead of time. It may be a response to what is happening there in their midst as they gather together. That word then, uh, where word talk, talks about speaking to one another in Psalms. That's, uh, the Greek word actually is the word psalmos, and, uh, it refers to, um, to uh, striking and uh, plucking stringed instruments. Uh, and, uh, in that case, uh, it refers also to the old Testament Psalms, which were intended to be sung. They were intended to be performed. If you want to say it that way, um, with musical accompaniment. And, um, yes, there may be times for, um, uh, acapella singing, and that's uh, perfectly beautiful and, and uh, quite striking in many regards, but I'm talking about the term itself uh, actually underlies the idea that there is um, some sort of music that is going on that accompanies the Psalms and um there's the uh, the book of psalms itself uh, is referred to as an entire book in several places in the new testament uh, also a particular psalm is mentioned in acts chapter 13 verse 33 there are psalms in general that uh, colossians talks about in a parallel passage in chapter 3 verse 16 as well as uh, the uh, the verse i just read in 1st corinthians 14:26 then um, there are some poems in the New Testament, particularly those poems that were recorded by Luke that, uh, that various individuals uh, uh, proclaimed, uh, especially at the beginning of the book of Luke uh, by Mary, the mother of Jesus was, was one of the first ones, and uh, that's Luke chapter 1 verses 46 through 55. Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, he had a a poem to be read or proclaimed, and that's uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79. And then uh, a fellow by the name of Simeon, an elderly man that seems to uh, be taking the role of somewhat of a prophet there in Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32. So there are certain... uh, Poetry uh that were that was written that may have been intended to be incorporated into a music or as lyrics to a song, and so that might be what uh, what is also involved here with this idea of of speaking in psalms and hymns that word hymns is the word uh humnao in the Greek language it's where we get the word hymn and uh it refers primarily to praise to God and again it's found in our our parallel passage in Colossians 3 verse 16, 16 excuse me and uh uh that might include um hymns that were referred to in uh, the psalms themselves uh and there was a group of psalms uh verse uh, that is psalm Uh, 113 through 118 that was called the Hallel and that was sung at various times in Jewish worship and uh, Jesus himself may have actually sung a song or a psalm out of that as a hymn and then there are general praises in the New Testament uh, according to Acts chapter 16 25 and Hebrews chapter 2 verse 12 and um, there are other places in which there is poetry that is recorded in the New Testament that we don't know for sure whether or not they were uh, the poetry was put to music or not. Say, for instance, like um, uh, earlier, in this very passage in, in uh, Ephesians chapter five. And verse 14, there is a quotation there that says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That's a quotation, but it's not a direct quotation to a specific passage in the Old Testament or in the Psalms or in the prophets. It is kind of like a a general quotation of of several ideas all composited, together. And that may be also part of what uh, Paul is speaking of here in Ephesians when he refers to hymns. So we'll come back to this very intriguing subject, I hope, after this musical interlude. What we were uh, talking about uh, before the break is the fact that that uh, these terms uh, are very generalized uh, ideas here and not uh, specifically or legalistic kind of things that uh, uh, is only one way or another. Uh, these are may carry with them uh, underneath each one of these titles, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, uh, all sorts of things that may qualify as those those uh, exercises. Now, uh, we just uh, quoted before the break from uh, uh, Ephesians chapter five, verse fourteen, and made note of the fact that uh, that quotation isn't a direct quote from a specific passage but seems to be an accumulation of several ideas that are that are completely consistent with uh several different verses and that may be part of what was incorporated into the Christian worship or the uh, the the worship as believers in Jesus and uh in the New Testament churches um so that, uh, you don't have to always take the direct quotations of scriptures in order to be bibl- biblical in your worship or in your singing or in your songs. And, uh, that's kind of what I'm getting at there. Uh, the meter of some of these, uh, poetic verses, uh, seem to follow a certain pattern of, of, uh, sort of, uh, initiation chants of that particular culture. And, um, uh, the experience of Peter being awakened by the angel that has some parallel with the ideas uh, here expressed is Acts chapter 12, verses 6 through 11. Also, there are other passages in the New Testament that seem to be early Christian hymns, the way that they're written out, the way that they formulate themselves as uh, as poetry or p- perhaps even as lyrics to a song or maybe they were written as poetry intentionally to find a a a, 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 a music or a, a a melody to come later and that's Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14 as well as Philippians chapter 2 verses 6 through 11 Colossians chapter 1 verses 12 through 16 1 Timothy 1 verse 17 1 Timothy 2 verses 5 and 6 and 1 Timothy 3, verse 16, as well as 1 Timothy 6, verses 15 and 16, as well as 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 13. You can look all of those up and you can discover certain amount of poetry that was written that evidently had been composed by believers in Jesus as they assembled themselves together in the congregation and began to express their worship, perhaps by being filled with the Holy Spirit in connection to the instructions of Paul that we find right here. So uh, in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and so that's part of what's going on here, making melody. Spiritual songs, by the way, is uh, where we get the word ode. Uh, It's the Greek word ode, and um, uh, it's the original uh, source, you might say linguistically, of where we find our word ode. And uh, that in itself refers to a certain pattern of poetry. And uh, in, in this context, of course, this refers to a song. What's interesting is that the, these things have to do with with um, making melody with your heart to the Lord, so that these spiritual songs are are composed. What's interesting is uh, is it see um, it says singing making melody with your heart. Uh, that idea of with your heart here uh, that that's a little bit of a different nuance than just saying in your heart. I know that there's. A lot of people who try to worship in your heart and they don't try to worship with their with their minds or with their voices and uh, maybe that's a wise thing i don't know for sure but i'm just saying that that here it is making melody with your heart there's a certain implication that by the filling of the spirit you compose music with your heart and uh, so you have certain words that you gather together or certain ideas that you gather together in words in such a fashion as to formulate a uh, a lyric that is intended to be sung with music by the way uh the uh the old testament and the new talk about singing a new song uh just for the record uh psalm uh 33 verse 3 psalm Uh, 40 uh, verse 3 as well as Psalm 96 verse 1, Psalm 98 verse 1, Psalm 144 verse 9, Psalm 149 verse 1 as well as Isaiah 42 verse 10 and also the book of Revelation verse verse 9 of chapter 5 as well as verse 3 of chapter 14 of the book of Revelation. All of them has to do with singing a new song. And uh that's nine times in scripture we are told about new songs. So I believe it is biblical and spiritual to compose new songs for the sake of expressing ourselves to God. And it goes on to say uh singing and making melody with your heart. That word singing here uh means to, as praise to God and uh, it also means spiritual songs so that this means praise there are lots of types of music some types of music remind us of who we are in christ some types of music is are uh, they are uh, uh, evangelistic in nature or purpose. Some types of music are to express uh, our worship of God directly to him by addressing him. Some types of music is is uh, is given to give testimony to those who listen about our life in Christ. And uh, there's lots of songs and lots of psalms of praise in the New Test in the Old and the New Testament, and it says making melody in your heart. That term, making melody, is the word uh, the Greek word uh, salo, which comes from the original term of psalmos. And again, it means to play or to strike a stringed instrument. Uh, it is a word used specifically for instrumental music. So this idea of making melody with your heart might include composing instrumental music. Not all music need to ha- needs to have lyrics to go with them, although for the most part, uh, we want to express words of some sort in our music, and yet, on the other hand, I think the Bible right here, Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is giving us the 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 authority and the freedom to say that the Holy Spirit can inspire new songs. And he can cause us to write songs and write music, sometimes without any lyric. We we just express our hearts to God with instrumental music. And I think that's included in this idea of singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Notice uh, that that even here in this passage, verse 19a, talks about uh, speaking to one another these things. And now we are uh, to sing these things to the Lord. So there's two separate directions our music can go at any point. Two separate directions for our poetry. Two separate directions for our uh, instrumental music. It might be to each other, uh, but then again, it might be directly to God for whatever that, that is worth. Uh, I think it needs to be pointed out, and again, we uh, we point to the fact that this is making melody with your heart to the Lord. And verse twenty says, "Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father." So, this is the direction of our music and our worship, and our poetry, and our uh, our uh, our instrumental music. All of it is to be. To the Lord, when we're gathered together in the Lord Jesus, and gathered together under His name and for His purposes as a church. Now, what's interesting is that uh, that if you actually examine some of our own hymn books, and maybe even some of the more con- uh, the uh, more conservative hymn books, um, I looked at one uh, um, uh, at one point in my career. I was looking at uh, the hymn book to try to. De- determine which, which, uh, categories of hymns are in that hymn book. And, and, uh, this was a very conservative type, of uh, hymn book, but, uh, the number of songs that I, uh, were, were able, was able to find that, uh, were sung to ourselves, or to each other in the congregation, or to others in general. Uh, the to ourselves, uh, those are songs that uh, they were. They comprised 37 percent of that hymn book. Uh, the uh, the songs that were sung to others, or those outside the faith. Uh, that was 15% of that hymn book. And those songs that were addressing God directly and Jesus directly and the Holy Spirit directly in whatever form, shape that you might want to call it, some sort of song that is directed to him specifically, they comprised only 48% of the entire hymn book. So uh, uh, almost half the hymn book uh, uh, wasn't even um, addressed to God at all. So we take certain things kind of for granted and certain things we uh, we kind of harp on, uh, excuse the pun, and, uh, and uh, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to direct our thoughts and our understanding about music. And that's one of the things that led me to understand to uh, To do an entire study of of all the words that I could find that talk about sing or singing or uh, or singers or uh, or directors of singing or psalms or or psalmists or uh, uh, music or musicians, and I looked up all of those words and um, and uh, discovered a wealth of understanding from the Old and the New Testament about biblical music. And uh, it's very, very surprising. And and that even includes some wrong kinds of music, but it's not uh, the style that's wrong. It is the content of certain uh, musical uh, compositions that's wrong. There's the music of fools, the music of harlots. There's the music of the ruthless. There's the music uh, composed by mockers and mocking. There's the uh, music composed for idolatry. There's music composed for sensual or Sexual arousal. There's music that God calls noise, by the way. And uh, just so you know, uh, when God calls music noise, He's not talking about secular music, He's talking about religious music that has no heart that have no sincerity. And that's what he talks about there. And so we should always be giving thanks to God. That's a part of our prayer, that's a part of our congregation, that is a part of our, uh, our acclamation to God is giving him thanks. In fact, um, that is one of the most prominent things in Paul's own prayers is thanksgiving. And it all says also says in verse 20 for all things in the name of the lord jesus christ to god even the father and subject to one and subject uh, to one another in the fear of christ be subject to one another in the fear of christ so that uh, we are to have thanksgiving we are to have these praise and worship and songs and singing of all sorts and then we are to give thanks in all things uh, through uh, uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus to God our Father. And uh, then we are to be submissive to one another. And we're about to get into those spheres of submission where. Uh, do we do uh, where do we find these acts of submission and what is composed in the definition of being submitted to one another where well, we're about to find that out in the last part of chapter 5 as well as the first part of chapter 6 so stay tuned for that in future episodes and we will uh, see you then Father thank you for the study of your word to give us clarity, to give us understanding, to give us absolutes that we need to know, but also to give us liberty that we may not have practiced. We pray that your Holy Spirit would fill us so that we can compose new songs, compose new music that would worship you as well as build up one another. Thank you, Father, your Holy Spirit has been given to us specifically to do these things in a miraculous and maybe even a supernatural way, but in a way that edifies and builds up the body of Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed your presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.